The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Yes, it is episode 16 of the Talking Buds podcast. Ryan, it has been a week since we last chatted, buddy. What an emotional roller coaster ride it has been. How are you doing? Where are you at right now? I have taken a one way ticket to Negative Town, my friend. Oh, boy. I am the mayor of Negative Town now. I've tried to stay positive all year. Come up with excuses for this hockey team, but I think I'm out of them about now, and I am taking a hard right into negative town. So last week when we left off, we were teeing up the Leafs' uh, big showdown with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we were trying to like end it on a positive note, and we're like, listen, they're going to go into Tampa. We think they're going to play well. They're going to pick up a W. Freddie Anderson's going to play great, and that's exactly what happened. They went into Tampa. They played a great road game. They picked up a W, beat the best team in the league. Freddie stood on his head. And it was, and you, you, at the end of the night, you're going, all right, this is good. This is a step in the right direction. This is what we needed. And then the following night, they go into Florida to play the Panthers and absolutely stink the joint out for 60 minutes. Like a game that was akin to the Avalanche game last Monday. Just an embarrassing, awful effort by the players, by the coach. Everyone. Then last night, they play the Arizona Coyotes, a game that I don't think they played that poorly in, but they end up losing 4-2. My initial idea when we were going to do the show this week was they've got a big game this Wednesday against Washington. So I was like, you know what, we'll jump, we'll do a show after that. It'll be, we'll have a game to talk about, whatever. But after getting up this morning and taking the temperature of Leaf Nation and just observing Leaf Twitter, I thought, you know what, we need to do a show today. We need to get out and talk about this right now. This is the biggest red alert I've seen in this era of the Maple Leafs. So I'm going to open it up to you now, Rye. When you watch this team, what do you see or what don't you see? I think there's so many things. And when you're talking about taking the Maple Leaf fan temperature and going on Twitter or reading all the articles written right now, everyone has, there's like three different opinions that everyone's just split on. There's the, the, the Ron Hainsey stinks. Then you got the Jake Gardner stinks. And then you have the William Nylander stinks. And that's, those are the three areas of blame that I feel like people are choosing. And that's the direction they're looking at. And I also read an article today and someone mentioned that this is just all just bad luck. Like hockey's random and it's just bad luck. And it's like, I, I don't see that. When I watch this hockey team right now, it's just everything. The defense isn't good enough. The forechecking isn't good enough. 
The goaltending is fine. I, I don't mind the goaltending, but it's just the play in the own end and the play down in the O zone trying to get the puck for checking is just brutal right now. It's awful. Like, you count the amount of times another hockey team gets out of their zone so easily. Just get the puck, first pass, they're in the neutral zone, they're down in the Leafs end. And then count how many times the Maple Leafs have breakouts like that. Never. It's always some guy, uh, a winger getting pressured by the guy, the other team's point man, and then the turnover happens and boom, it's in the net. And it's so frustrating right now, and I feel like it's not just one thing and that's why it's such a disaster right now because it's so many things and those so many things have resulted in the Leafs losing six of their last seven games at home and you're right it's snowballing um when I watch this team right now Rye I see a bunch of guys out there trying to do it themselves and play as individuals they're not playing as a cohesive unit there's a lot of guys who are struggling right now in the midst of slumps Austin Matthews William Nylander Nazem Kadri even though he scored last week I just like you look at these guys and we're going to talk about Mike Babcock in a second and believe me I've got some things to say about coach Mike Babcock but I'm going to kind of quote him here. He always talks about playing the right way and being a good pro and playing the right way. And I, when I watch the forward group, I'm not seeing, like, and we talk all the time about this team's level of grit, but it's just like they they get the puck, they come over the opposing team's blue line, they try and make a pretty little pass, it's one shot and it's wide and it's or it's over the net or... It's, yeah, or whatever, and the other team grabs it and takes it back the other way. And it's like there's no cycle, there's no sustained pressure. The Maple Leafs are an easy team to play against right now. They apply no pressure. They play a 100% skilled game, which is fine and something that you need, but it's like there's no... When you get into the playoffs and and you're battling for every inch of ice and every single shift and every single game, you're not going to win playing this way. And the thing that's frustrating for myself and I think a lot of Leafs Nation is you hear these guys after the game going on and on about how, like, you know, we got to be tougher to play against. We got, like, the whole pucks in deep thing and, like, get on top of their D, force them to make turnovers, be tough to play against. But it's like, okay, you guys say that, but I don't see it. I don't see it game in and game out. I don't see guys going out there. Like, th- there are certain guys on the Leafs, yes, who play a, a bit of a heavier style. Zach Hyman, John Tavares. Like, these are guys who who try and generate some sort of cycle. But it's like, Awesome Matthews, he, ta- he carries it over the, the blue line, little flip wrist shot on the net, wide over the net, or the goalie makes a save, and that's it. And then it's a face-off, and boom, it's back the other way, or the other team's defenseman gets it and clears it down into the Leafs zone. So I I just, I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know how you get it through these guys' heads that the way you're currently playing is not going is not good enough. You're not going to have long-term sustained success until you start going out there and being difficult to play against every single shift. Yeah, just all and everyone on the team is cut from the same skilled cloth, too. So there we know and other teams have figured out that this hockey team is extremely one-dimensional. You shut down the stretch pass, you shut down the quote-unquote speed game. 
And that's how you beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you beat physical. Like, that. that's how you beat them. And other teams have figured it out. And there's only one way this team plays, and that's skilled. And there's no other way for them to gain momentum throughout a hockey game. There's no big hit. There's no scrum in front of the other team's net with a couple punches to the face. There's no chirping back and forth it's just if we don't put it up on the scoreboard tonight then we're gonna get beat and we're gonna get out skated and we're gonna get out hit and it's 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 just too it's too one-dimensional right now and that's the problem with this hockey team so one-dimensional dude it's it's brutal right now and it's so hard to watch you just you want to see them change you want to see them make a systematical change harder on the forecheck maybe not stretch so far maybe not have forwards blow the zone early but it's just nothing's changing, and the outcome isn't changing either. Let's talk about uh, a certain group of guys who are really struggling, and uh, there's no better place to start than with number 34 himself, Austin Matthews. He just doesn't look right to me, Rye. He, it's just like it's all over his face. It's all over his body language. It's all over his play. He doesn't skate with the confidence and the swagger that he once had. He doesn't, like dominate a game the way he he did earlier in the season what in your opinion is going on with Austin Matthews right now well I I I can I think hockey players are allowed to go through a slump through their hockey career but where I start to kind of run into trouble in my thought process is I know we've talked contracts like crazy but this is where it drives me nuts with Austin Matthews though it's because if he's going to get paid the number we think he's going to get paid, one of those high double-digit numbers, then he can't go through spells like this. Guys who are making $6 million can go through spells like this. I, I don't want to mention William Nylander, but if Austin, it, that's where it troubles me. It's like, okay, these guys are allowed to go through slumps, but if we're paying a guy that much money next year, he can't be going through a slump like this. And I I get it, but it's I also he think... I also think he's butting heads with the coach too because he's got different wingers every single game. How many times have they interchanged Janssen with Kapitan with Nylander, now Brown, and the the power play lines are getting all switched around, which we kind of wanted last year. Last year was a little too all the same. We wanted to see a little change, but this year it seems like he can't figure out that like right chemistry with the right guy and he can't find his game right now and he's not scoring. I, I He said he did the little interview the other day and he said he thinks he's getting chances. I don't think he's getting as many chances as he thinks he is. No, because I, he's largely ineffective out there lately. He He's a perimeter player right now. No, and he's ineffective on the power play. I, I don't think he's not very good at getting open on the power play. He kind of just stands in that one spot, and there's always someone in the lane blocking that passing lane, so that makes him irrelevant on the power play. And then on 5-on-5, five five, he is such a dominant 5-on-5 five five scorer throughout his hockey career. But right now, it's just he's not even getting solid chances to the net, even though he thinks he is. But what I'm watching, I'm watching a guy who's just shooting a puck through lanes that are filled with hockey sticks and bodies and never getting a clean shot on the net. It's showing right now because he can't score at all. And I know he wanted to get more assists, but we need goals from this guy. Do you think there's any health related issue here? Like, do you think maybe he's not a hundred percent? Well, I don't know. I, that's that. I don't know. I think people like to bring that up because it's just something they could blame it on and use it in their, Oh, well it's gotta be his injury, whatever, but we don't know if he's injured or not. And if he was injured, I'm sure he wouldn't be playing. So if he's if he's if he's actually injured, then why is he in the lineup right now? Because 
you like you said, right now he's largely ineffective, and they can't they don't need that from him right now. And he needs to get over it if he is afraid he's gonna get injured again, because this is the big boy league. This is the National Hockey League, bud. It's time to start producing. I agree, and I, I just feel like you touched on his relationship with Babcock there, and I, I definitely think that's part of it. I don't think he and like it was like we know for a fact in the offseason that Babcock went to see him. It was speculated all last year that he was not happy with his ice time and power play time and his line mates and all that sort of thing. And like you can see the frustration all over, like I alluded to earlier about his body language and it's in his face. And I just, I, I agree with you in that. I think he is frustrated with his ever changing line mates. And I think he, he sees that as something that's like stalling him and holding him back. But at some point you said it, he's going to get paid a lot of money this off season. And when you're paid like that, you don't get to, have a have a sulk fest over not liking the coach at some point he's just got to look around and say okay this is what it is I need to break out of this and the reason why I think everyone's kind of speculating on his health is he has he has the ability we've seen it time and time again to take a game over and he's just not doing that right now I think part of it is that he is he's had issues with his shoulders I think he is a little scared to have another shoulder injury and affect those contract negotiations coming up not not insinuating that he's all only worried about getting paid like the guy's a professional athlete takes pride in his performance as well but you he just doesn't look himself it's very very concerning to me that's the most concerning thing going on with the team right now because this guy is your franchise player for the foreseeable future and he looks like anything but a franchise player right now yeah and he's and he's responsible for carrying a line on this hockey team it's called the matthews line it's called the marner line and it's called the Matthews line because he's supposed to be carrying that line five on five. And right now he's just not doing that, man. And it's just, it, it, that's what's contributing to this losing streak right now. I'm not saying it's all on him, but when your best player is not contributing offensively, especially one of the best pure goal scorers in the NHL isn't contributing to your hockey team, then that's a recipe for losing hockey. All right, so we're going to move on and talk about some other players who are struggling right now, and we'll talk. We can talk about the power play and stuff. But I, I got something I got to get off my chest here, Rye, if you don't mind. Um, since we started doing this show, you you want people to take you seriously, and I think one of the ways to do that is to not is to be kind of even keeled. You know, you can you can ride the wave, so to speak, go through the lows and the highs, and comment on things and whatever. Don't get too emotional about players or games or what have you but I'm gonna throw that out the window right now okay I am done with Nikita Zaitsev I'm done with this guy well it's like it's like what I said earlier it's it's why is it like the everyone's blaming Hainsey and Gardner never once do I hear Zaitsev's, Zaitsev's name come up he is their worst defenseman. And honestly, if you're listening to this right now and you want to argue Ron Hainsey's worse than um, Nikita Zaitsev with me, you know the Instagram handle. Hit me up. I will debate you on this all day. I'm sorry. Nikita Zaitsev stinks. 
He stinks. And he stunk and he stunk for two years. Getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev and that contract needs to shoot right to the top of Kyle Dubas's priority list this offseason. Cause this guy is awful. Like Jake Gardner for the last week has been the resident whipping boy. Well, not really longer than that, but it's been kind of like the volume's been turned up on the whole Jake Gardner thing. And everyone gets on Jake, myself included. But at least Jake has some offensive prowess. Like, at least he can make something happen in the offensive zone from time to time. Nikita Zaitsev contributes nothing in the defensive zone, nothing in the offensive zone. The guy stinks. I am done with Nikita Zaitsev. Why? Why can we not move Travis Dermott up to that second pair and have him out there with Gardner and move Zaitsev down with Oshiganov? Because Nikita Zaitsev is an absolute turnover machine liability when he's out there. His mistakes, when you watch them, they jump off the screen at you. I just, I'm sorry, I've absolutely had it with Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, he's not, he's terrible, man. He doesn't really do anything. And, and no one ever mentions his name. It's always Hainsey or Gardner. And it's like, ah, hold your horses here. Like, Zaitsev's pretty bad, too. It's pretty awful. That's an understatement well, of the year. He stinks. And, and but you know, we got to get, we got, we're in trouble here, though, because everyone's already shipping defensemen out of town. And it's like, yeah, these guys stink. But if you ship all these guys out of town, you're not going to have a defense core. Like, right now, it's like trade every single guy but Morgan Riley. Everyone sucks. They keep Dermot. But it's just this is this is who we have this year, and this is, goes back to the conversation of why we don't think they're going to get it done this year. It's because of this these reasons, this defense core, this offensive one dimensional hockey team, and guys like Nikita Zaitsev playing in your top four is not going to win you a Stanley Cup in this league, and they're not going to be in those later rounds fighting and battling with Nikita Zaitsev getting the amount of ice time he's getting right now. But the problem is he got no one to replace him because he's on a long-term contract. They got no one in the minors. There's no one coming. So this is who they have. And everyone, if you want to keep blaming Ron Haynes, Ron Hainsey, like I think Ron Hainsey gets whipped more than Gardner does. Like online, people just hate Ron Hainsey. And it's like, you know what, Ron Hainsey, I'm not a huge plus minus guy, but the guy's like plus 23 right now. And Nikita Zaitsev stinks. And I, I, you know what? Like, keep blaming Ron Hainsey, but I'm with you. I think Nikita Zaitsev's awful. He's the he's, worst defenseman by a mile. I, and like I said, if you want to argue Hainsey or Gardner with me, I'm not disputing that Hainsey and Gardner should, aren't, at this point, top four defensemen. I'm not disputing that at all. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that Nikita Zaitsev is a better player than Hainsey and Gardner, you're crazy. You're crazy. Zaitsev has been their worst defenseman for two years now, in my opinion. Like it's just I've I've told you I'm I'm I've snapped I've absolutely had it with Zaitsev he stinks he absolutely good luck getting stinks. rid of that contract too jeez well it was so let's talk a little bit about getting rid of that because it was reported uh, late last week that the Maple Leafs first round pick is in play along potentially with Andreas Janssen which. I'm guessing that took a hit last night with Janssen being out with a concussion. Hopefully he's not out. It's a like concussions, you never know. You could be out a week. You could be out a year. So hopefully it's not, it's on the lighter side of that and he's back sooner than later. But the the one 
you heard me quote Kyle Dubas a few weeks ago where he came out and did a media availability and talked about how he doesn't think bringing in like a tougher person or a bigger person will help the team, or whatever. The one positive that's come out of this little schneid that the Leafs are on is it's going to force Kyle Dubas to make a move. Like they, it's, it's plain as day right now that this team is not close to where we all thought they were. And like they're still an elite team in the East. They're still going to make the playoffs, but this team is not a cup contender at this point. I just don't think they are. So this sort of rough patch is going to force Dubas into making a move. And so you hear things like the first round pick is in play. It was also reported that teams have inquired on Kasperi Kapanen and they've been emphatically told, no, they're not moving Kasperi Kapanen, which I, I'm of two minds about moving a guy like Kapanen. Cause on the one hand, he's been such a great part of the team in the offense this year, even in the Tampa game, two of the goals they scored against Tampa were because of his speed through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. But if you're going to get a significant upgrade on defense, you're going to have to move something of value. So maybe holding on to Kapanen isn't the right answer, which is why I guess they, they want to like go with Janssen instead. I don't know. But where where are you at on these rumors about first-round picks and moving like a, some prospects like Brocco or Lilligren or someone like that, Callie Rosen? Yeah, I you're not getting anything. I I hear Jeremy Bronco all the time, and it's like, has anyone ever seen this guy play hockey? Like, why are we throwing him in a deal with some of the best hockey players in the in the NHL? Trying to make a deal with Jeremy Bronco, who, from what I watched, is basically just Phil Kessel, less skilled. But they're not like I'm in the. I'm gonna stir the pot a little bit here. It's. I know Kapitan is the guy who's in play and he'll get you the big fish, but if you could rewind time a little bit, I'm sure you would get rid of the guy who's on the fourth line right now, William Nylander, and keep Kasperi Kapitan and sign Kapitan to a somewhat Nylander contract, probably cheaper. But now it's like, okay, we love Kapitan because it's hard to deny Kasperi Kapitan's contribution to this hockey team. When he is skating like he can skate, he can create against any team in the National Hockey League, and he proved it because he did it against the best team in the National Hockey League on Thursday. When this guy's moving his feet with the puck, I don't think there's a player on the Leafs who can do what he does in terms of generating offense when he's really moving his feet. And it's a shame that they may not have room to sign a guy like this because they had to go out and make a Nylander deal. This guy can't do anything, and it sucks. But if, if you're really in the mindset, if you want a top four defenseman or a defenseman that's going to make a difference to this hockey team, then you got to put his name in there and be serious about it because you can't love everyone. Like we, we can't love, you can't get attached to all these guys and love everyone. If you're really of the mind that you want them to go out this season and get someone who's actually going to help, then you got to start with putting Kasperi Kapanen's name out there because I think he's worth a hell of a lot more than Andreas Janssen is or Timothy Lilligrid or any other guy they have in the Marley system. I think he's their number one trade bait guy right now. So if you really want to get someone who's any good, then you got to throw his name in there if you whether you love him or not or you're attached to him or not. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. 
Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. All right, right. I wanted to save the whole second block of the show for this particular topic. I want to talk about the coach. Mike Babcock should be respected for all his achievements, both in the NHL and with Team Canada at the Olympics and at the World Cup. Mike Babcock is a good coach. He's a smart coach. He's an even better person. I believe that... This Toronto Maple Leaf team will not go to the next level until Mike Babcock takes a look in the mirror and realize and gets over himself, quite frankly, and put sets aside his ego and realizes that he needs to make some adjustments with his coaching and his philosophy if this team's gonna win and be successful. The hard line matching that he does doesn't really work. I was so angry the other day on Twitter when I'm looking and it says, listen, William Nylander is struggling. He has struggled since he's been back. He's not playing well. Why in God's name do you think that putting him down on the fourth line with Freddie the Goat and Par Lindholm is going to get him going. And not only that, not only that, you alluded earlier in the show to Austin Matthews' frustration with Mike Babcock. We're going to put Nylander down on the fourth line, and we're going to move Connor Brown, who's done a whole lot of nothing all season, up to play with the struggling Austin Matthews, because that's who Matthews needs to get him going. And it's just like, these types of decisions are absolutely mind-blowing to me. And they're so, so frustrating. Where are you at with, with Babcock? I think me and you and everyone else can agree that Mike Babcock, though he's a good person, funny in, funny in the media, the way he talks, we imitate his voice. He's just, he's a character. But this guy has a giant ego. And he comes off to me as a guy who... He says he loves to learn and learn and learn, but I think he's a guy who's just really set in his own ways and believes his way is the right way, which is fine. And that's probably why he's been successful in Team Canada. He has a cup, but with this particular hockey team right now, maybe he just needs, like you said, to look at himself in the mirror and tell himself that maybe he doesn't have all the answers. Or we don't know what else he could be thinking. He could be 
in Kyle Dubas's office being like, Kyle, dude, like you got to get me another guy in here. That's a little different than the, than the softies we have in the room right now or the, or the decor that looks all the same. Like at the same time, he can only deploy the guys he has in his lineup. But like you said, it's moves like promoting Connor Brown or not changing the setup of the power play. It's like, listen, there's a reason why every post-game press conference and pre-game press conference, for that matter, he's talking about heavy hockey. I truly believe he's saying that to send a message to Kyle Dubas and be like, I need a heavier player down here. So, yes, you can cut him slack in that regard. But you're right. It's these puzzling lineup decisions and puzzling amounts of ice time. Like you look, like you look at the ice time and like the amount of ice time that a guy like Patty Marlowe's getting. It's like Patrick Marlowe is doing nothing, and it's like you when when you've got guys and when you've got superstars like Austin Matthews and even Nazem Kadri, like these guys are struggling. You need to put them in situations like William Nylander too. Perfect example of this is William Nylander. Like he needs to be put in a situation to succeed. And to, to have chances. And w- when you put Matthews out there with a Connor Brown or Nylander out there with a Freddie the Goat, it's like, I, I don't understand the rationale. It's like, you're, this team as constituted is going to win from scoring goals, okay? So when these guys aren't scoring, you need to be doing everything you can to get them scoring. And I don't see that happening. I don't see him like we it was reported today that Matthews and Marner and Marlowe were a line at practice. Well, there you go. Well, that, that's that's what we're looking for right there. But that's the why, one thing he's refused to do for three years is but, put those two but, guys but you, together. There, you just said it. Why? Why? Is this it's the fact that it has taken two and a half years to put Matthews and Marner together is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And, and it's like, because what I said, it's it's he thinks he has all the answers, and the way he won his cup in Detroit, he kind of bases all his other lineups around that team. Now it's a skilled guy with a grinder. He just believes in that. That's why Connor Brown gets promoted. He believes that a goal scorer like Austin Matthews ultimately benefits by having a grinder on his line to go get him the puck back. The problem is, is Connor Brown doesn't get the goddamn puck back. The frustration with me is. It's it's clearly not working, Mike. It's clearly not working. Like, so so you gotta so okay. So today, finally, he he's he's been broken down enough to the point where he's like, all right, I guess I'll put Marner and Matthews together. It's like I, I get okay. I get that that worked for Pavel Datsuk. It's not working for Austin Matthews. He needs to have a consistent yeah, the, the- line mate that he can gel with. It, what drives me nuts, here's what drives me nuts with, with Babcock. You you can set your lines to start the game, but if you're down in a hockey game with 10 minutes left in the third, I think you can walk up to Zach Hyman as much as I love Hyman. Well, maybe not Hyman, but walk up to Patty Marlowe, everyone on the fourth line, and go, boys, like we're, we're sitting you down, and why don't you just load up a line? That, Put yes. Marner... Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Tavares, Kadri, any of those combinations, throw Casper Kapanen in there. Like, why not load up those lines 
and get try to get people going at the end of the game because every single time he does load up that line after he does it after a penalty kill. He does it once. He'll put like last night he had Tavares, Matthews, and and uh, Marner out there. And Austin Matthews had probably his best chance of the whole night. He had a shot right out front, actually got it to the net, and he had had that opportunity. Why don't you just do that at the end of hockey games when you need to get your hockey team going? Every other team does it. Tampa Bay did it the other night. See what they did the other night when they pulled the goalie? You had Stamkos on one side, Kucherov on one side. Those guys don't play together five on five. But when you need to try to tie a hockey game, you put your big boys out there and you look what happened. Tampa had a shooting gallery on Frederick Anderson for three minutes. One-timer, boom. One-timer, boom. Headman to Kucherov, one-timer. Headman to Stamkos, one-timer. And they... If it wasn't for Frederick Anderson, that game would have been tied. So why can't you just take a page out of that book and be like, we're going to load it up. Why can't we do that? Well, that's what I'm getting at, Ryan, when I say to you that like he at this team is not going to be successful until he takes a look in the mirror and realizes I got to change the way I'm doing things. And I think that's where like I saw this a lot on Twitter the other night when everybody was like really upset after the Florida game is it's like they trailed for a large part of that game and Par Lindholm and Freddie the Goat are still going over the boards. Connor Brown is still going over the boards. Like I love Zach Hyman too. Zach Hyman couldn't put the puck in the ocean. Like I agree with you. So it's just like, why like it's 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 the unwillingness to make these adjustments and like everyone today is is like applauding the fact that like yay mike finally put them together matthews and marner and it's like why the hell has it taken this long it's it's insanity to me and he doesn't help himself so it's like yes the personnel he can only work with the personnel that he's given but his top nine is as good. He's got the best center depth in the league. And it's just like, but you're, you're, you're we're not, we're not making those in-game adjustments. We're so obsessed with line matching. It's like, I got news for you. Your defense is terrible. You're going to get pelted with shots no matter what line you match with the other team's top line. So say, to hell with this. And to your point, load up those first two lines and get them out there and try and create some offense. Try and get your struggling stars going. William Nylander is awful right now. He is terrible. He's struggling. He needs to be put in positions to succeed and produce points. Putting him with Freddie the Goat is not the right answer. God. Yeah, no, it it, it it really hit a boiling point for me the other night when you're watching them against Tampa Bay. And yes, they did walk away with a W. But this hockey team is the best hockey team in the National Hockey League. They have the top goal scorer and some of the most dynamic hockey players in the league. And they need to tie a hockey game. And John Cooper, who's coaching a team that is already in the playoffs. Like, he could take a nap and they'd still make the playoffs. And he he's so obsessed with winning that he changes things up. And he puts out his two best shooters on the right side and the left side. Even though they don't play on the same line, he said, you know what? Why not put our best two shooters out there and try to tie this hockey game? And if it wasn't for the goalie, it, they could have scored 100 
Like, they, they, they had so many opportunities. And I, I was just amazed that a hockey team that is so far ahead in points, who really doesn't need two points, is still so competitive and wants to win so bad that they're willing to put to load up a line and try to tie a hockey game. And it's like, Mike, I get you want to stick with your... It's like he has a coaching book, Mike's Coaching Rules. And whatever's in that book, he's going to follow. And that's and in that book, it probably says, I don't want to load up a line. I want to try to keep balance lines and line match. And it's like, dude, just... I, I know you try to be... He tries to be kind of be the smartest guy in the room and have his way or the highway and his way is the best way but it right now it's not the best way well it's clear it, it's it's clear that mike uh, mike babcock's favorite hockey player of all time is pavel datsuk and pavel datsuk told him that he liked playing with i can't remember whoever it was on the red wings that was the grinder and we get datsuk the puck and babcock just like he's got that tattooed on him somewhere that like a skilled guy needs to be with a grinder like he just and that's that's probably what his aversion to putting um, Matthews and Marner together has been all these years. It's, he's like, well, we need someone to go get the puck. It's like Mitch Marner is as good at getting the puck as anyone on the team. Probably the best person at going and getting the puck, in my opinion. And, and but like, if you if you, I, I you've heard from those Red Wing teams though. Like Hendrik Zetterberg was a guy who butted heads with Mike Babcock a lot, and there was a couple of guys who went through those Red Wing teams who can't stand Mike Babcock. So, like, he, he does what he does to hockey teams, the way he employs, deploys his lineup, the way he sets things up, it does drive guys a little nuts. And right now, I think it is driving the team nuts. And I, I know you're saying, put I, William Nylander, to me, he's had enough chances with Austin Matthews, and I get you want to get him going, but this guy literally has four points in 20 games. So I, I don't really mind the fourth-line decision. That, that I'm okay with that, actually. It's just... If you really want to protect your best players, then start doing what you did today and switching up the lines and putting Matthews with Marner because that's the guy you need to protect right now, the guy you need to get going to get your hockey team back on track. So yes, put him with Mitch Marner. No one the no one's going to get you in trouble. Like it, it's you can you're the coach. You could do whatever you want. It's like he has some block in his mind that it's like I, I can't put Matthews with Marner. I I can't do it. Yes, you can, and you did it today, and hopefully we see it on Wednesday against the Capitals because everyone wants to see it. We need to get this guy going, so just do it. So before we move on from this topic, I, I want to – you just talked about it with we, – we talked about it earlier in the show with Matthews and Babcock, and um, you just said that there were some old Red Wings players like Zetterberg and stuff who who butt heads with Babcock. So do you believe that's a thing that's going on right now? Do you think there's some resentment going on or frustration in the room from the, the players towards the coach? I think it's amplified just because of the losing. Like, you can hate the coach, but if you're winning hockey games, it doesn't matter. But when you start losing like they're losing right now, especially at home then it just amplifies everything. And then you start kind of being like, oh, well, I hate the coach. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Because everything's just negative right now. And when your hockey team's surrounded in negativity, then blame starts to kind of go around. I'm sure some of the players, when they go on their Fortnite Xbox Live party, 
are all kind of being like, you know, Babcock should have put me out there. Why is Babcock putting this guy out there? You know they're talking. Well, that's what I think. I think, first of all, I, I truly believe that Austin Matthews is not a Mike Babcock fan. I wholeheartedly believe that. I think you can see that all over his face. I think that all the frustration that you see in, in Austin Matthews' body language and facial features is, um, or facial expression, rather, is linked to the coach and how the coach utilizes him with respect to ice time, how he's seemingly been demoted. Like it seems like a demotion to the second power play unit. Um, I think, I think guys do get frustrated with Babcock. I, and I talked about earlier that I'm frustrated with it. His incessant line matching. Like he's just, he's obsessed with, with hard playing a hard match like style, like coaching that way. And it's just like, I just think it wears on guys. I think to your point, I think there's a lot of guys up and down that bench who are like, let's just, just put me out there. Let me try and do something instead of worrying about what the other team's doing and that sort of thing. So I, I buy into that. I definitely think there are some guys in that room who, and Babcock's also like a really intense personality. Like he, 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 he can wear on some guys, especially this day and age. And all these guys are so young. It's like, you need to, have like a, almost like a father not and I think Babcock does that to a degree but I think he's just so intense that and he's so convicted in like his way of doing things that it definitely does wear on guys and creates a z- resentment I f- fully believe that and, and it's just these guys have been with him for a while now right so they're starting to understand that he doesn't give the skilled guys a break when does he ever cut the skilled guys a break never it's always Brownie. It's always Hyman. It's always the fourth line. It's always the the veterans. Like, you know, he never cuts these guys any breaks in the media. He's always mentioning these skilled grinders who don't really contribute offensively. But since they're first in the gym squatting the most and they, they go home and they don't party, they go like Zach Hyman has his own gaming company and writes children's books and works out hard and doesn't get in trouble. And he's a good old boy. Like, you know, like it's just stuff like that. If you're a player in the dressing room, you're like, KK okay, okay, Mike, like we get it. You love Zachy, but like, can you cut me a break in the media one time? Like, come on. And it's just, you can read them like a book. Now they all know him so well. And he's a, he's not like a normal dude, you know, like, He's so intense, and he's a bit of a hero. Like, he's always doing his interview. He just finished his workout. He's all sweaty, and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And he's always out of breath, trying to show everyone that he's into, he's a fitness guy. And, like, the way he talks, he doesn't talk like a normal person. There's a reason why people imitate his voice. He plays that role of the that coach. He's got the way he talks and his lingo and his drivetrain and all that stuff. And it's, like, just... Give it a rest, Mike. Just level with me one-on-one. Give me a good winger to play with. Cut me a break in the media. And we'll be good. But I feel like just everything... It's not just the lines. It's just everything that he does in the dressing room. With the lineup. Like, what he does in the media. Like, it's just... I think it would wear on you for a bit. I know it would wear on me if I was a player in that room. Like, that personality that he has would drive me a little bit nuts. All right, but let's 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 end on a positive note since we just uh, gave it both barrels to Mike Babcock. He did adjust the lines today at practice. Uh, we had Mar- Marlowe, Matthews, and Marner on the top unit. Then we had Hyman, Tavares, Kapanen. 
Brown, Kadri, Nylander, and then Lindholm, Freddie the Goat, and Goat, and Justin Hole was skating with them, and that's because they called up um, Trevor Moore today. I always want to call him Dominic Moore. Trevor Moore today. There's so, a lot of Moors. Yeah, so he'll take he'll take that spot. So hopefully, and and I'll, then, I'll cut I'll cut Mike one more break. I'll, I'll cut him a break after we just kind of chirped him a little bit. Is like this guy does need a bit of a change of of scenery in the lineup in terms of different personalities and different types of hockey players. Like he's working a lot with the same, and I feel like he could benefit by having uh, a, a different style of hockey player on, in that lineup on the defense core, whatever. I think he could really benefit from that too. He said after the game to reporters when asked about the Matthews and Marner combo, he said, I'm not telling you it's going to last a warm-up, a period, or a game. That's what we had today in the skate. Which, again, that drives me nuts if I'm Austin Matthews. That comment pisses me off, man. It's like, dude, shut up. Like, you put us together. Like, why do you have to go out of your way to be like, this might not even last a warm-up? It's like, dude, shut up. Just be like, yeah, this is the line combination we had today, and... That's what we're looking for for uh, Wednesday. Ben said he's got to throw in the, I don't know if it's going to last a warm-up. And it's like, dude, just a little jab comment like that. Like, that's going to rub me the wrong way. All right. Let's move into bums and beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right. I think I think we've already kind of gone off and, and sort of, without saying it, selected our bums of the week today. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go bum of the last two years, Nikita Zaitsev. He stinks. I'm tired of him. He's terrible. They need to get rid of him in the offseason. I try not to be emotional and impulsive when talking about players, like I said earlier, but I'm sorry. I'm done with this guy. I'm not going to re- go over all the reasons why. If you want to hear him. Go back about 20 minutes in the show. Nikita Zaitsev, you're my bum of the last two years. My bum of the week are the people who are coming to the Leafs' defense just constantly. Like, just constantly feel the need to just prove to all doubters that there's nothing wrong with this hockey team. And they they cite that they're still second in the Atlantic. And this is still one of the greatest starts in franchise history. But the reason why it's driving me a little nuts is if you pull up the standings, there is only a four-point difference between them being in the playoffs and out of the playoffs. Like this isn't this is I get it. They're 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 on a great start. They're having great individual years, but it it, it that's all gone now. This little slump has just shrunk that lead, and now everyone's compressed together in the standings, other than Tampa. But like. You, you look at the Sabres, they're still in there. The Habs are right behind them. The Bruins are right behind them. Teams in the Metro are getting better. And it, it's starting to get a little concerning. And I'm sick of people just 
oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. This is one of the greatest starts in franchise history. No, I think, I think, I think, um, I think what you're getting at here is like, I understand like people trying to keep like a positive outlook on it. And I, I get that and I understand and respect that, but it's, it's the condescending way that they kind of go about it where it's like, relax, like a typical yeah, Leaf yeah, fan. Yeah, Everybody's know. freaking out. Typical Leaf fan. Don't worry about it. They're still skilled. And it's like, yeah, but they like, it. Uh, but the, but like, yeah. Rob, there's six points out of being out of the playoffs right now. Like I the, know. I know. And it's like, this isn't, I get it. Like, this is one of the greatest starts in franchise history. But it's like, I, I, this franchise has sucked for most of its existence. So, like, I don't care about how good of a start this is. Like, look behind you. All Everyone's caught up. Everyone's winning right now. And you're not winning. It, it, I, I get it. Like, I'm not going after individual guys, but you're allowed to be a little worried about this hockey team. Don't give me the, this is one of the greatest starts in history. It's like, well, they haven't won a cup in, in forever, dude. Like, they've sucked. Yeah. I Stop. <laughs> like, it drives me nuts. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm with you, bud. I, I'm totally with you. All right. Beauty of the week. Oh, boy. I'll go Freddie Anderson just from... I know they won that game in Tampa, but dude, that guy was facing like the most grade A one-timers you will ever see in the oh, national he, they, during a hockey game. I agree. They played a really, really good road game, but they, he, he's the reason they won. He was dude, that, that the last five minutes of that game, like he was getting pelted with shots by two of the top goal scorers in the NHL on both sides, getting fed by maybe the best defenseman in the NHL. And he was getting pelted, and he kept them in there. And I know they they capitalized on their offensive opportunities in that game, played a good road game, whatever. But this guy like literally was stopping some of the most grade-A chances I, I've seen in a long time. All right, my beauty of the week. Last week when I named Marner, I was said this is a recording, so I'm going to do that again this week. This is a recording. Casper Kapanen is my beauty of the week. I've been Casper Kapanen super fan all year. I love the guy. I love what he brings. I love his speed. I totally understand why they're reluctant to include him in a deal to get a defenseman. I, I, why he's not their first choice of a of a young guy to move. I totally get it. He has been he. What William Nylander hasn't been this year, Kasperi Kapanen has been. And I bet you if you got Kyle Dubas in a candid moment, he would say to you that maybe he wouldn't have done the Nylander, maybe let Nylander sit and given that spot to Kasperi Kapanen. I just, I can't say enough good things about the guy. I thought he was fantastic last week against Tampa. I thought he was good again last night against Phoenix or Arizona or whatever they're called. Kasperi Kapanen, beauty of the week. Yeah, his speed is just undeniable, dude. Like, I understand why people love him so much. And what do you get attached to him? And honestly, like, it's just this guy can create so much when he just starts moving his feet and he has the puck and he's got finish and he can set people up. Like, it's hard not to love him. So, doing the look ahead here, we're gonna they're gonna get some. T- Honestly, they're going to get some time off here, Ryan, and it might be exactly what this team needs. Wednesday night, they play a huge game against the defending cup champions, Washington Cap- Capitals. Is this the first time they've played the Caps this year? I think it is. No, remember they had that big game right. earlier in the yes, year where they yes. actually won when they yes. were playing well. Yes, yes, that's right. In Washington, you're right. So they And then 
After that, it's the all-star break. So Friday night skills competition, Saturday all-star game. Do you do you do you watch that or is it something that you're just like, nah, I'm gonna take I a break not, as well? I do not watch it. Yeah. I'm gonna be unless it's like one of those couching nights and there's absolutely nothing on. I, I won't watch the skills competition. I'll, I'll go ahead and say I will not watch the skills competition. But if I'm just doing nothing and the actual like three on three games are on and I'm watching nothing and nothing's on TV, that then I'll watch. Then I'll maybe turn it on and watch it. Right. Uh, yeah, I I feel that. So then after that, they're off for so they play Wednesday and then they're off for over a week. They don't play again until next Friday, February first, against the Detroit Red Wings. And then the following night they play the Pittsburgh Penguins at home. So next week we've got pretty much a week off. So we're going to have, we'll see, we're going to have to come up with things to talk about next week, Ryan. I'm sure well, there'll be some sort of drama somewhere within this organization that we'll be able to talk about. Yeah, no, I have no doubt about that either. All right, let's move into touch. What, what do you think about, hold on, what do you think about, do you think this time off is a good thing for them? I think it's perfect. I think it's I think it's coming at the exact right time. I hope that, like, they've got over a week off. Like, yeah, Matthews and Tavares have to go to the All-Star game, but even then, they've, they're done, they'll be done that Saturday night, and then they don't play again until Friday. Everyone get away from each other. Go spend some time with your family. Go, like go spend some time with your girlfriends or whatever you're like someone you care about just get away from the arena want a boys vacation yes get away from the arena get away from it all like reset come back ready to go i think it's coming at the exact perfect time for them this is the perfect time for this to be happening yeah it's like it's like taking a week vacation off like your normal job like you come back from it, and you're, you kind of get there, and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't done this in a while, and everything that happened, you forget about, and it's just, I think I think it's perfect for them at this time. Yeah, you can come back rested and rejuvenated. All right, let's do some tuts. It's time for Talking Buds, totally unqualified takes. That's right, totally unqualified take. Ryan, I've been really thinking about what I'm going to say for this week's tut. I don't like going too far out because then, honestly, you forget about them and they just kind of don't matter anymore. Like last week, we were bang on with our tuts. You said the Leafs were going to go into Tampa and pick up a W, and I said they were going to do that on the heels of a great performance from Freddie Anderson, and that's exactly what happened. So... I'm going to just base mine around Wednesday's game against the Washington Capitals. The new Matthews and Marner and Marlowe line stays together for that game, and the Leafs barely squeak out a W at home. Yeah, I was trying to think of something for that Washington game, too. But think about that line combination, though. Like, can't you see them going down to Cobb in that game, and all of a sudden it's just there's Brownie back on Matthews' line? Oh, no, Hyman, his son. Yeah, like, I I could see them, if they go down early in that game, I could see him abandoning ship real quick in that one. Well, they can't go down 2 nothing, so that's the thing. So I'm predicting it's a good, close, hard-fought game. The Leafs squeak out a W. 
and that line stays together. So I'm going out on a limb with this one. All right. Well, I, you know what? I'll go against you on that one. I, I, I Maybe I won't go with the lines because I was thinking about that. And I, I honestly, I haven't really made up my mind if Babcock will stick with it or not. But I'll say that they, they go down the tube and lose against Washington on Wednesday. And in this this stretch of games before this time off ends ugly. And they go in real negative into the break after losing to the Washington Capitals. That's good. It's good that you did that. We get we get uh, some of our feedback we get is that we don't disagree. And we're not enough like the U.S. sports media people who just spend an hour arguing. Just yelling so, at each other, arguing yep. points that they don't even believe in. Yep. Just, just so they can have opposing takes. All right. So there you go. Opposing tuts. And we will regroup here next week and see who had the right idea. Yes, we will. All right. That'll do it for episode 16, everybody. Thank you for downloading. We'll catch you next week. Let's go to the Blue Hotel I want to live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality. Theme-based with special guests. The Blue Hotel Hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.